Hi. Hi. Welcome back to Couples Day. It's been a few weeks. It has. Not because of me. Nope. Hope you're using credit for that. I've been on the road. I was in Cincinnati and then Seattle. Wow. Oh, I know. I go so many classy places. <laughs> and I'm just like texting you like, hey, Emma. Hey, bud. What are you doing? Do you want to get together? And you're like, nope, busy. Yeah. No, I do want to get together, <laughs> but I'm all nope, busy. <laughs> <laughs> so we were finally able to pull it together because you're back in town and mm-hmm. uh, I had some time off from work because I had eye surgery. You sure did. You look like you got into a bar brawl, especially because you're wearing a hat. Like you're wearing like a fedora. So you got like a, this black eye and then this fedora. You well, I'm wearing tough. I'm wearing a fedora because I couldn't wash my hair because I can't take a shower and lean my head back or forward. So oh. I have dirty hair. Why can't you lean your head back or forward? Um, because they don't want me to I don't know somehow disrupt. Like I have to sleep sitting up, which is oh terrible. My God. Um, what it, was the surgery for? So this is the second time I've had it done. It's on the other eye this time, and I had new tear duct drilled wow <laughs> which sounds really it's like getting um, your hymen replaced like that's so that's next that's next uh no what it's totally a random occurrence that they have no explanation for like your old ones were yeah clogged? so they were they collapsed wow yeah i what the terrible thing was was that um i got pink eye at the um, YMCA. Of course which you is did. A horrible, of course you did. Filthy place. <laughs> that place is a trough of humanity. It is and the best place to get pink eye. Like yeah. that in the bus station. <laughs> those are your pink eye locales. <laughs> right when my friend got MRSA on her face from the Y, I was like, you know, I think I'm gonna I think go I can afford Axiom. Right. You know what I mean? I think I'm, I'm go ready. Somewhere else for now. <laughs> so I got pink eye at the gym, and that was like last January. And then it healed, but then my eyes would never stop watering. Mm-hmm. It was just like I would go to the grocery store and I'd be walking around, and all of a sudden it was like I was sobbing. There was so many tears coming out of my eyes. Oh my god! Which was really but I, embarrassing. I'm confused. If your tear ducts are clogged, then why are you? So your tear ducts actually drain your tears. Oh. So they're on the insides of your eyes, and they drain your tears down into your nose and in the back of your throat. Okay. So these aren't producing tear ducts. These oh. are draining tear ducts. Because how perfect would it be if you couldn't cry? <laughs> like, I just feel like for your personality, just being like, eh, I'm trying to cry, but I can't make tears. But instead, the but opposite. instead it was just crying all the time. Oh, okay. And you're like, I feel nothing. <laughs> I don't want you to mistake these tears for caring. Right. Well, it was actually sort of awkward a couple of times because I would be in a situation where somebody would be telling me a story where I was supposed to be feeling for them. And like, and I really did look like I was way over empathizing, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm constantly wipe, draw, you know, wiping. I, I'm actually tears. realizing that I always thought you thought I was really hilarious because <laughs> you would, I would make you cry yeah, laugh all the up. time. Yeah. No, nope. always tearing just, up around you. Just why am a pink guy? That's all. Yeah. So anyway, what My they have to do is they, they cut down the side of your nose. It's Ooh. like a full-on surgery where they put you out. And then they drill a new tear duct with a little drill, and they put in, like, this stint thing. And then six months later, they pull it out, and you have a new tear duct. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like modern super science, mm-hmm. I think. But um, it's expensive, and I just got to spend $1,000 of my hard-earned money for this <laughs> totally random you know, so no that reason. You, so that you can not cry when people are telling you about So their... I can cry at appropriate times yeah. rather than yeah. inappropriate times. Yeah, so I had to have one eye done, and I had that done last summer, and I just had the other one done. So it looks like I've been beat about the face you by Ronda you Rousey. You kind of scared my stepdaughter. You walked in, and she's like, whoa. <laughs> she wasn't expecting it, and she's so cute. She's like, hi, and then she's like, oh. <laughs> she's so polite. scuzzy comedians coming over and being like hi something's super wrong with your face yeah so but i of course i can't see it so if i am in the grocery store or whatever i kind of forget you know that there is this wound on my face you, so you went to the grocery store looking like that you did you i afraid. needed white wine last night sure and i did and i you know actually it's 
it's not too bad because most people don't make eye contact Mm -hmm. with you. Like, people only make eye contact with you if you make eye contact with them. So if you keep your head down, but then you look kind of suspicious. You look like you're trying to hide it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you are. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And then immediately people make assumptions about what happened to you. Mm -hmm. Because this couldn't possibly have... Like, an above-board explanation. No. <laughs> this is like, somebody hit you. Mm-hmm. What were you doing? What kind of a skeeve are you? That's, um, one time I had, I had kneed myself in the face <laughs> during yoga. <laughs> Real hard. And I got a really big black eye. And then Dylan and I, um, he always embarrasses me at grocery stores. He always, like, when we're in the checkout line, he'll start just being, like, loud and obnoxious because he treats every fucking grocery line like it's an open mic. <laughs> And, but he, like, said something super loud, so I pretend, I had this huge black eye, and I pretended to start crying. Then I was like, I heard you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, okay. That's not funny. Stop that. Don't do that. That's not funny. And I just stood there like, oh, I'm so scared right now. And he was like, okay. Okay. So you should, you should just do that with any, any man you're with. Just harass them that way. Yeah. Yeah, I should. You I should. should. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the other thing about what I've found, now that I've had a couple of injuries like this, so I've had these two eyes, and then at one point I knocked my front tooth out with uh, in a car accident. Girl, you're such a classy lady. <laughs> and you can't believe how people treat you if you have a knocked out front tooth. I can imagine. <gasps> That's like the last cultural sort of touchstone for knowing someone's poor. Yeah. You know, is a knocked out tooth. Yeah, I mean, people really treat you like you are a sack of shit that doesn't deserve to be on the earth. Mm -hmm. I was so surprised. Like, I would go to a restaurant. I had to wait, for whatever reason, I had to wait a couple of days to get it fixed, and then it broke again, and I had the same situation. But, you know, nobody is going to – if you just run into somebody or you meet somebody, they're just not going to ask you about it Mm -hmm. because it's it's inappropriate or it's like, and they just assume you've been missing a tooth for a while. Right. You know? Right. And so they just treat you accordingly, which is really crappy. Yeah. You're so <laughs> and right. You don't have the opportunity to be like, Hey, no, this is the situation. I was in a car accident and now I'm waiting, you know, like you can't. No. So you just have to take it. You just have to, you have to like smile with your mouth closed. Oh man. So yeah. That's treat people nicer. You don't know why they have a missing tooth know. or a jacked up eye. Okay. Well, and, and like, it's it's crazy how many people I know who can't afford dental yeah. insurance yeah. and who can't afford to get their teeth fixed. Yeah. You know, people who are like professionals. Yeah. Can't are like, oh, because it's the dentist. expensive. Yeah. It's really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's be oh. kinder about people's teeth. Be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. That's so exciting. you've been doing comedy while I was getting my eye surgeried. Yep. Yeah, I was in Cincinnati um, for a weekend, and I had a, a kind of a weird time there. The um, we had a good time. The shows were all really good, but there was a a man living in the green room. Oh. Um, which is not something I've experienced before at a comedy like, club. Did other people know, or was it something you just figured out? <laughs> no. no <laughs> like, like, hey guys. No, everybody knew when we got there. The green room door was shut, and when we opened it, this stench <gasps> rolled out. Like, like the worst bachelor pad slash pet store. I know that smell because I had a little brother. Yeah, it was. And the green room is it's like, sometimes they'll be pretty, pretty large, but this is like the size of a closet essentially. And there's like a couch and a chair and a little, like a kind of a, not really a desk, but kind of like a little table. Um, but we opened the door and it was so rank that even my tour partner, Jeff, who smokes very heavily, even he was like gagging. And so we were like, well, we can't hang out in there. And we kind of let it air out. And we were like, what's up with the green room? And they're like, oh, yeah, a guy lives in there now. And he had been um, – it was really kind of perfect because some, a couple women had told me that this club – that I won't name because it's true of all clubs pretty much. But they had told me they had had some sexist experiences there. And when I told Jeff that, it's his home club. So he was very defensive. And we ended up having this huge argument because he was like, there's no way it's sexist. I'm there all the time. I would know. I would never allow that. And I was like, you don't know. Like, you're we're, you're gone all the time. And shit happens that you don't know about. And he was like, I know everything that happens at this club. And it turned out there had been a dude living in the fucking green room for four months. And he what? hadn't heard anything about it. He didn't know. So it was rank. It was super rank. Kind of let it air out. Um, I was kind of just sitting in the back of the room. And then a couple people came over to talk to me. So I was like, I'm going to go hide in the green room. Just, you know, and just breathe through my mouth. I was sitting in the green room. The guy who lives lives in there comes in in a Teletubby costume, the purple Teletubby costume, comes in and is like, hey, can you do up the back Oh my god. of my costume? And I was like, oh, my god. <laughs> and so, yeah, I did. Yeah? I zipped him up. 
and he put his head on and he stood there having a very, a very nice guy. Uh, n- like not, not a, not a jerk or a creep or anything. Just very nice guy is like, well, maybe a creep. Well, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. He's living in a green I mean, room. The broadest wearing, sense oh, of the term. wearing a Teletubby <laughs> costume. So he goes out. Do you think part of the smell was the Teletubby costume? I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't think those things really. Oh, as he's, I'm sitting in the chair, luckily, and not the couch. And he, he, as he's kind of standing there, um, he kind of makes an allusion to the fact that he has a girlfriend. And I'm like, wow. that's (laughs) even this guy. Even that guy has a girlfriend. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of amazing. Like, what, how did that happen? And then after he, so he leaves in the Teletubby costume, the waitress comes in. Hey, dogs, stop it. Stop that. That's this is a really fun time. And the, there's like ample room for for wrestling ra- here. I, know. I tried to put them out, but then they were scratching to get in. And <laughs> I have bad boundaries with my dogs. But then um, he walked out and the waitress came in and she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry about this whole thing and blah, blah, blah. And she, she told me that, that he has sex with the girlfriend on the couch all the time. And I was like, ah. So I told, when Jeff came back, I was like, you have no fucking idea what happens in this club. Like, it's ridiculous for you to be like, there's no way sexist stuff happens. Which is just, is disrespectful in general, because you're disregarding what these women are saying happened and being like, well, you're not an adult person who can tell when things happen. But he was, and which he apologized for. But then he was like, yeah, you're right. No, I, I'm so sorry. I have so no did idea. did you ever get the backstory? Or is he, this just like one of those things? He, apparently he has cancer. But I can't tell you how many times somebody at a comedy club has had cancer and then turned out to not have cancer. Like, it's like a weird... And what does that have to do with living in a green room? Yeah, and everybody's like, oh, he has cancer, and so he's living in the green room. And I was like, I don't... That doesn't equal. I mean, that's not like an equivalent. Yeah. And when I was like, what kind of cancer do you have? And he was like, you know, cancer. Oh. Okay, cancer, cancer. That's the serious (laughs) kind I hear. That's not even treatable, I don't think. Except with Teletubbies. Right, and that's part of the treatment. Yeah, the costume isn't important. So that was weird. Um, But we had really good shows, and we had a good time. And um, Jeff's dad at one point interrupted the show and tried to stop it because he didn't like how much shit Jeff was talking about Trump, which was amazing. And then then I went to Seattle, and Seattle was pretty fun. Same thing, kind of weird sexist shit happens in the club. But this time I talked to the manager about it. And I was just like, hey, some weird sexist shit happened. And he was like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. And we'll get on top of that immediately, which never happens. Usually if you try to talk to somebody, they're like, yeah, we know. We don't care. <laughs> or like, yeah, that's that's how a green room is. Deal with it. You know, but this guy was really he was very apologetic and nice. And, and we had really good shows in Seattle. We had a good time. So and I was supposed to be in Arizona this weekend, but uh, ended up a couple of shows got canceled. So Jeff went and did him and I stayed here to do this. And eat tacos. Perfect. Yes. To be here for in your time in your time of need with your yeah, eyes. Yeah, this dog recognizes that I also have a bad eye set. Yes, my one-eyed dog is <laughs> big time into you now. Hey, <laughs> it's rough out there, huh? People laughing at your eye all the time. I'm gonna miss your watery eye. It always made me feel like I was so funny. You'd have to get your little tissue out and start dabbing at it. Yeah. And it always made me go like, I'm fucking hilarious. <laughs> She just brings a Kleenex for her eye every single time she she's here. She can't not <laughs> cry. I'm eating, too. I'm sorry that I'm eating on our podcast. That's rude. That's okay. I'm sniffing my nose because I can't actually blow my nose. That's one of the things. Because your eye will pop out? Well, that's one of the things that they're like, whatever you do, don't blow your nose. Whoa. They're like, you can only dab at your nose. So for instead, six I'm months? Just, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know for how long. Till <laughs> long enough for you to forget that you're no longer supposed to blow your nose. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. like a week, I mm-hmm. guess. Okay. Well, let's see. Yeah. Um, we didn't do a mansplain last time because I asked you a question and you just answered it. <laughs> I, I mansplained like, I, it to you. Yeah, you did. I was like, I have a mansplain, and you're like, no, stupid. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty smart shit. Yeah. So we didn't have a mansplain. Do you have a mansplain this week? You know, I don't. I have a um, people that you hate, um, which is I was watching, I think, the Golden Globes. No, Golos. no, you have to do them in, in order. Oh, what? What's we do there's an order? order? Yeah, well, we always do mansplain then this weekend moms then people well, way for you to keep track i'm keeping track okay yeah. okay well i back off then so we no mansplain this week the only thing i have is i have a funny um i tweeted um hey two because we were in washington where pot's legal i don't smoke pot but jeff was pretty into it um i tweeted how i said it was it's so sad how all the states that legalize marijuana are, are gone now because <laughs> like it's like nothing happened like they legalized right. marijuana people are smoking marijuana everybody's fine right 
Um, and this guy tweeted back at me, actually, the states that uh, legalize marijuana um, are doing really well and are having no issues and and um, are actually making quite a bit of money from it. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much, because I actually thought the states of Colorado and Washington and Oregon had disappeared is a thing I actually thought. So thank God you were here, Twitter dude. I just was like, where do, like, where do you live in the universe that you're like, oh, actually – they're still here. Helpful. I just thought that was fantastic. Maybe maybe we'll have to change it to this week in mansplain, what someone mansplained to you. Right. Because I don't have a question this week. I don't really have a question either about that I need mansplained. I mean, I, I think I could think about it, but I didn't beforehand. So anything that I would pull out at this point would be just kind of um, weak. Yeah, just kind of half-assed. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, you know what? It'll be uh, um, boy's choice. <laughs> Man's choice. Man's choice Man's this week. Mansplain whatever you, you know want. You know what, sweetie? You mansplain whatever you feel. <laughs> what? What's in your heart? You let us know. Man, that could that could be gold. Yeah. So they're gonna do it anyway. Do so. <laughs> All right. That's good. Yeah, okay. It's just like couple skates, but it's it's <laughs> fellas' choice this week. All right, this week in Moms, you just got a text. You were saying you didn't have anything, but you just got well, a text. Well, I was really surprised because um, I the last time I had the surgery, my mom was very involved. She took me to the doctor and picked me up and took me home. And um, as it often is with my mom, it was totally annoying because she is a terrible terrible driver and she kept like missing the turn even though I would I was specifically telling her where to go and then she would just be not paying attention and would have to go around and I was just like I just really want to get home you know I just like want to go lay in my bed and she'd be like oh it's all right it'll just take a few minutes longer and then after she left she called me I don't know every hour on the hour just to check in and it was like you know I could probably like relax and start healing if you would stop fucking calling me. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is though, she is actually out of town right now um, and has been for a couple weeks because she is taking care of my sister's baby up in Seattle. And I didn't hear from her at all. I didn't hear from her the day that I had my surgery or since, and it's been since Thursday. So what, three days. Mm -hmm. But then just as I was, um, as I was arriving here, I got a text from her and this explains what happened. She says, happy Saturday, Jocelyn. How are you recovering? Period. <laughs> <laughs> Your surgery went out of my head when Thursday I was expecting Mijanu to wake up. So Mijanu is the baby. And I heard a really loud construction type noise and stepped out the door to see if I could see. And the door swung shut and locked behind me. Oh my God. <laughs> Pouring and no phone. Went to every neighbor. Did text your sister to call. Her husband came home and soothed the wildly upset baby, OMG. <laughs> <laughs> All other thoughts, them post. Then she corrects it to vamoosed. <laughs> and my thoughts of you turned into needing to find out where I can find one of those sprinkler head key hiders. Oh my god! <laughs> So the reason that she did not text me about my surgery was because she got locked out of my sister's house when it was raining and she couldn't get back in. And her, her head's been filled <laughs> with thoughts of how to get one of those sprinkler head key hiders. My poor mother. Which is very, you know, they don't just make those. You have to find uh, a welder who will take a regular sprinkler head. And make it into yeah, a Yeah, and I think it would actually not be that deceiving to people in Seattle because it rains so much. I don't what, think yeah. people actually have sprinkler systems. Yeah, that's maybe not. <laughs> it just rains, it so they don't need sprinklers. Yeah. So, anyway, that's she's forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a big situation. That's big. That's big. Yeah, I think they might be sort of regretting having her be in charge of the baby for two weeks. So, yeah, yeah. You know, a... there was a big construction noise and I got confused. <laughs> So your mom does the same thing my mom does when she misspells something in text. She doesn't delete it. She leaves the misspelled or whatever the wrong word and then corrects it. Mm -hmm. What is that? <laughs> I showed my I've showed my mom. I don't you think just... she has any idea how to back up. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's that's like it's like oh, we're driving. moving forward. Just keep going. Just keep, keep going. going. We don't turn around. <laughs> yeah, she'll get it. She'll understand. I'm just really surprised that she used OMG. Yeah. Like I didn't know that she knew OMG. Mm -mm. No, that's that's a that's big. <laughs> yeah, it that's is. That's big. 
That's really funny. And it was definitely an OMG. That was appropriate use of OMG. Yeah. <laughs> so was it a relief that she was not around to take care of you? Or were you a little like, ma'am, my eye hurt? No, it was a relief. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I can take care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, an and I have my ways of taking care of myself, which are very just, you know, quiet and mm-hmm. zen. And I was a little bit annoyed on um, the first day because I just kept having to get up and do things. And then my nose would just keep bleeding. And I knew that uh. if I just sat there that it would stop bleeding. But yeah. it was like the dogs had to go in and then I had to get a cup of tea. And yeah. like I was doing all this movement. So it would have been nice to have. But she wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been peaceful. I still would have been getting up and doing things. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I would have been like, would you like a cup of tea, Mom? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> Sweetie, your dog's need out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's more just like I have nobody to rely on for those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's. You could come stay here. I'll, I'll nurse you back to health. <laughs> Me and my 11 children will take <laughs> such good care of you. Yeah. 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 So, no, it was, it's totally fine. And I'm really glad because when I hadn't heard from her, I was like, oh, what is she mad about me? Oh, yeah. Mad t- Mad at me about at me about mad about yeah, yeah. that she's now like withholding giving, mm-hmm. comfort from me just being silent yeah but yeah. now that I know that shit was the high you know yeah shenanigans shenan <laughs> what a whirlwind <laughs> that that's the kind of um the kind of thing my mom doesn't do this but um Dylan's mom something like that will happen his stepmom something like that will happen and she'll tell the story like 30,000 times Mm -hmm. and you're like it's not actually that interesting like you didn't survive a great ordeal but she'll just continue to be like did you hear about that whole thing with the construction noise (laughs) you're like nobody it's not a huge not an interesting thing don't worry oh yes this will go down in the canon of uh famous mom stories yeah that she's going to tell now over and over and over so definitely looking forward to that well my my weekend moms um so I got a text on Thursday. I got home Monday from Seattle. I got a text on Thursday, which I should just I should just read. Yeah, because I read mine. Yeah, you Let's read, read yours. Texts from mom. And I can show you the picture that way. Um, let me find it. Okay. Let me sniff my nose really loud before you start. I do it. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Hello. I just wanted to update everyone. Aunt Aunt G has had serious lung problems this last year after aspirating an almond sliver. In the last couple months, she has had worsening symptoms, even pneumonia, and has been very scary sick. On Tuesday, I brought her to Luke's for a bronchoscope. They're not sure what's going on. I'm staying with her 24-7 at the hospital. No plans yet on a release date. Could be weekend or next. Blah, 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 on and on and on. Um, okay, update. I wrote this all above while she was in getting a second bronchoscopy. They found the almond slice she aspirated eight months ago. He Good plucked Lord. it out and she'll probably be okay. Angels must be watching over her. Then she sent a picture of the almond that they pulled out of my aunt's lung. Oh, my God. So that's insane. But the the insane part about this is is that my – so my aunt last Thursday, my aunt has had pneumonia, but nobody – like, nobody knew that. Like, she's been kind of sick for a while. But last Thursday, she was so sick that my mom thought she was going to die. But couldn't get her talked into going and seeing a doctor until Tuesday. Tuesday, they admitted her immediately – and nobody, my mom didn't tell anybody that my aunt was in the hospital until Thursday night when the update was basically, ha. Huh. And so then I, after that, I called her and was like, what, what are you talking about? And she was like, oh my gosh, it was touch and go there for a bit. Like we really didn't know if we were going to lose her or what, but you know, she's fine now. And I'm like, why didn't you text then when she went into the hospital and you thought she was going to die? Why didn't you be like, Hey, everybody should probably be on alert and like get down here to see aunt G because she's probably going to die. And she's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, you don't, you don't have, like, she was sick for a week. You didn't tell me last, last week, like last Thursday, hey, Aunt G might die, just so you know. Like, nothing, nothing. And she was like, well, I didn't want to bother you. I knew you were in Seattle, blah, blah. And I'm like, you can still just text and be like, no details, just Aunt G's kind of sick. Um, So I was very upset because I'm very close to my aunt, which I was even like, well, why didn't she text? But she was literally too sick to text anybody. Um, So I, with my mom, I was like, Hey, that really bothers me that you didn't text and, and tell me what was going on. Like my and I was like, you know, because my family is so secretive about stuff that isn't secrets. Right. Like it always happens this way where like you'll find out something months after the fact. My mom thought she had breast cancer and it just happened that my stepdad was like, Oh, and your mom had a had those lumps in her boobs. <laughs> Turned out to be nothing. And I'm like, What what lumps? And he was like, Oh, you know, she went back in and she had the biopsies. My mom never said a word about it. And when I asked her about that, she was like, oh, well, you know, 
That's the most information you get from her is, oh, well, you know. So I was super upset with her and I was like, hey, it really hurts my feelings when you don't keep me in the loop, you know, and like it bothers me that this is the first time hearing about this. So anyway, she she texts back. I text her a big chunk of thing like, hey, that really bothers me. Please don't do that. She texts back. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Um, I don't know. Mm. I'm like, oh, so I call my aunt at the hospital and I'm talking to her on speakerphone and I and I say, um, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm so glad. And she's fine now. OK, they removed the thing. She's totally fine. Her lungs started draining immediately. She's OK. They pull out this huge hunk of almond. That's so wacky. It's really wacky. And I so I say to her, I'm like, well, I'm glad you're OK. It would be a, like really embarrassing for you if, you know, had had death by trail mix. Ha ha. Yeah. You know, and she laughs really hard. And my mom takes the phone away and is like, that's not appropriate. You know, some things are for joking. Some things are not. It's not time to be making jokes. And I'm like, yeah, she almost died from inhaling a nut. That's yeah. a funny thing. <laughs> like, that's a ridiculous way to die, to inhale a nut a year ago almost. Refuse to go to the doctor. She's been coughing for like a year, and she's like, you know, I inhaled that nut. And we're like, go to a doctor. And she's always like, you can't die from a nut. Turns out you can. And yeah. so we were like kind of laughing about it and she was laughing and I was telling her like oh my god how embarrassing how that would have been the most embarrassing way to die and she's like I know I know and my mom was just like I just I don't think you should be teasing her about that that's not appropriate so we got off the phone and then we didn't talk we didn't talk overnight and then I tried to go visit my aunt at the hospital my mom was like she's not having visitors right now you know blah blah blah. I'm like okay whatever so later I talked to my mom and was like hey I feel like I feel like when somebody's sick in the family, like one of so my mom is like a total caregiver like that um, for some people, but she doesn't like to share. Right. In I that. was just gonna ask you, is this kind of her thing where she yeah. feels really important mm -hmm. with her role? But in only what's with happening? them, only with my aunt, because it's my great aunt and uncle, so it's her aunt and uncle. Like she. She likes to be kind of like super needed by them. So if you tried, like I tried to bring flowers and she was like, oh, right. she's not, she's too tired. She's not having visitors. And I was like, just let me stop by. And she's like, oh, it, I don't think it's right. And she was like, also, I think she's worried that I'm going to be inappropriate. Like she's kind of vaguely embarrassed of me yeah. with them because they're super conservative. And she like, even I've invited them to comedy and she's like, I don't think it's appropriate for you to invite them to comedy. Like my parents are crazy liberal hippies, but around them, my mom gets all like Michigan uptight. And is all like, oh, we can't can't say this. Don't say that in front of Charlie and Gail. So anyway, so I tried to go visit her. My mom wouldn't let me. So then I was just like, hey, that really, hey, we had a phone conversation. And she was like, oh, it was so, it was touch and go. We were so worried. I'm sorry we didn't call you. The whole thing was just so up in the air. And I was like, hey, you do this all the time. Stop. Stop being secretive about stuff. And I was like, this family is so secretive and so weird. And they, this is what my mom said. I'm sorry that you feel like our family is secretive and weird, which is the most Swedish fuck you apology I've ever heard in my life. I'm sorry that you feel something stupid. Yeah. That's real wrong. But that's I'm sorry about that, boy. And I, I was so infuriated that I was just like, ah, all right, you win. You win. Fine. Don't call me. Don't call me when people are sick. I don't even care. And she was like, you know, I guess I'll try to make an effort. In the future, to to keep you in the loop. I mean, if that's what you feel you need. And I was like, that's not a crazy request no. to be like, this is what families do is we support each other and we call when people are sick. It's not a wild idea I came up with. Right. But, but it sounds to me like like what you're saying about her feeling like it's important for her to be needed and for her to be in charge of the situation and to not give that up. That's really what's at stake. It's not being secretive. It's actually yeah. withholding. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like you said, like if, if you piss her off, it just goes radio silence, right. you know? And so, so after we had that talk, I haven't heard from her since. Even when I texted to be like, how, you know, how's auntie? How's she doing? Nothing. Right. Because I dared to like, kind of be like, Hey, this is stupid. No, she's wants ownership of this situation for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's, it's weird because my family is very like passive, but everybody's so controlling that yeah. way. Like. You know, everybody has these, like, things have to be a certain way, you know, and, and that's totally what it is. She doesn't want somebody coming and mucking up the recovery process for my aunt with flowers and jokes, Yeah. you know. So, yeah, it was that's very, funny. it was very weird. That reminds me a lot of my grandmother, um, Mimi, we called her, and she was, she was known for that. It's kind of a passive-aggressive um, secretiveness, mm -hmm. and 
there were so many things that I found out after she died that, you know, were like these great family shames, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I guess for me, because I'm just such an open person and nothing is a secret for me. And I don't like it when people keep secrets from me. And it feels like we live in an era where really almost nothing is shocking anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, there isn't a great family shame. Like if somebody left so-and-so for, you know, somebody else or uh, we found out um, that my grandfather who had been married to my grandmother um, when he went and when he participated in World War II, I don't know how you say that. (laughs) that Anyway, he uh, got a woman pregnant in Ireland And we found out that my dad has this half-brother who's British (laughs) (laughs) named David um, much later. And so my grandpa had cheated on my grandma when he -hmm. went to war and had this baby. And he he never wanted anything to do with the baby. He didn't want to admit it. But anyway, when my dad called me and told me this news, I knew that his his tendency because it was his mom would be to be like have this great shame about it Mm -hmm. and to carry it around and he called me and kind of hesitantly told me because he knew that I was going to find out and I was like yeah that's just a really common story that's what happens and you know how interesting that you have this brother so I really tried to make it like no big deal yeah and then he realized like yeah this isn't a big deal this is no reflection on my mom this is no reflection on me like yeah this is just one of those stories and things that happened And, um, but I could tell that he really, he really felt like, oh my God, this is, this is something that our family should Mm -hmm. hide and be secret about. Yeah. When somebody acts secretive about something, it's hard to not just follow along with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel like it just puts all this guilt on people that it's just, it's just kind of the amoebic guilt, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, oh, it's kind of the seething weird thing and we're stuffing it all down. Mm -hmm. And I find that is in no way ever productive. Like if you just admit something, you did something wrong or something happened, you know, I have some, some things that I feel a lot of regret and probably shame about, but you know, I'm not going to like hide it and have somebody dig it up later. Yeah. You know, that's going to be way worse than if I just say, yep, over here, totally fucked up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. My cousin lives in Seattle and we are, my mom and his mom were, have been estranged for like 12 years and they only in the last four months kind of reconnected and in perfect Swedish fashion, they hadn't spoken in 12 years. Nobody ever said why. Right. I have no like I had no idea until I talked to my cousin about why. Nobody ever said they were estranged. They just stopped talking until you reach a point where you're like, I guess we're estranged. Right. Um, but she, my aunt, called my mom and was like, "Oh hi, it's Karen. How are you? No, things are real good. House is good. The kids are good. I have cancer, breast cancer." Double mastectomy. So anyway, how are you? You know, and they just, they reconnected, but they never talked about why they'd had a falling out. They just started talking again. And like my mom went down and took care of her during her double mastectomy. And um, so my cousin and I were, were like discussing like how we kind of, we bonded over like how weird they are. Like how mm-hmm. weird that is that like you'll just stop talking, start talking, never discuss why after 12 fucking years and I told him a bunch of stuff about our grandfather, like about our grandparents that he had no idea. And like, he was like, oh my God, so much of my childhood makes sense now because of all these like weird secrets that nobody discussed. Like my family still whispers schizophrenia. Okay? Right. Stuff. Like it's like, <laughs> oh, he was a schizophrenic. And I'm like, well, nobody's whispering that. That's not a fucking secret. Mental illness is not a, something to be ashamed of. No. Oh, well, you know, your uncle's an alcoholic. <laughs> like everybody knows that, that we don't have to doesn't have to be a thing and and that's why we were laughing over how like both of our both of our moms um like they just they never discuss anything they never will talk about anything and the only way they show affection is by by buying you stuff at thrift stores (laughs) i got you this down jacket like that's how they show love which you have to just kind of be like okay i get that this is your only avenue of affection so thank you for the down jacket but it was so funny how similar we turned out and how, like, and how we both have the same little uptight tendencies and stuff. And I was like, oh, genetics. Yep. Right. You're just going to be an uptight Swede. <laughs> you try to be cool. You try to be laid back. By the time you're 30, you're like, nope, this is who I am. So do you think that your response to, like, their secretiveness and their inability <coughs> to um, confront issues directly is why you are also how how you are? Like, you're... Super out, like yeah. outspoken about stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think it's in the same way that, so my mom is a hoarder. 
and um and so was my grandma and so was my aunt and I am like the opposite like I have no sentimental attachment to stuff I throw stuff away all the time that people are like you might want that someday I, I just have no attachment to stuff and and it's and I'm always cleaning my house out like I do like a, a goodwill run like once a month where I'm like well, this is too crowded so I think it's the same thing where I'm like no no secrets we're gonna talk about stuff and like with my kids I've always just been really open about stuff and tried to be like super like non-secretive and not have there be like big like questions about what was going on and stuff you know so yeah definitely there's like a knee-jerk reaction the other way where I'm like we're not having a bunch of secrets in this family that's weird because see my dad is um he grew up he has two siblings a sister and a brother and he has spoken to his brother but very very reluctantly maybe about once a year maybe once every couple of years when my grandma was dying, they had to be in conversation a little bit more, but they've been feuding at least since I was in junior high, I would say. Wow. And then both of them, both of the brothers also feuded with their sister and had no communication with her. And she actually died uh, a couple of years ago and my dad didn't go to the funeral or anything. And the sister was feuding with, my grandmother. So there's this whole like history mm -hmm. of, yeah, no, we, we just write each other off. Yeah. And which is interesting because my dad is a super family man and really, really likes to be with his kids and, um, you know, doing things together and has really tried to be insistent that we are not allowed to have those kinds of mm -hmm. things happen between us. Mm -hmm. Um, and also like, I just, I call my dad out on that stuff all the time. You know, if he starts behaving in a way that I find is, <laughs> uh, you know, secretive or he criticizes people for, you know, what he thinks are maybe too modern of beliefs or things. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying specifically here. But anyway, I just call him out on it. I'm like, yeah, that's not actually how I think or how I believe that we should behave. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. You know, like he'll criticize my uncle's wife and he, he blames his his wife for their feud or whatever yeah. and I'm like you know what he was he was an adult person and he was allowed to make the yeah. choices yeah and the fact that you guys are feuding is probably between you and not anything to do with him yeah like you need to probably take some ownership of your response yeah yeah I <laughs> so. wish I wish I could call my mom out but every time I do we don't we just don't talk for a few months like that's just if I'm like hey I don't even if I'm very gentle and like like yesterday I tried to just be like, hey, I, it bothers me. This is how it makes me feel. You know, maybe you don't understand that to you it seems like, oh, well, it's no big deal. But I'm like, it's very harmful. But she just is like, my family would rather rather not talk for 12 years. Right. Than be like, hey, you hurt my feelings. Right. You know, it's such a foreign idea to be like. Well, I to, certainly uh, wouldn't be able to, to go out my mom like I go out my dad. Yeah. You yeah. know, like if that was the situation, if it was. But that my mom had these issues, then no, absolutely no. not. No. no, but but my dad, he he so desperately wants to like be involved yeah. that he'll let you talk to him that way. He won't necessarily agree with you, yeah. but he'll just be like, okay, all right, <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to who do you hate this week? You had a good one. You're excited. Top of the podcast. Who do you hate? <laughs> who do you hate right now? Well, I have. It's not a specific person. Um, I was watching the Golden Globes. As one does. Sure. You know, I was <laughs> glad to see that I had seen absolutely none of the movies. Like, I usually have never seen any of the movies or shows. But when people would get up to um, accept their award, they would say, I would like to thank my team, my cast, my staff. And then I started noticing this with, um, like, people in authority around me mm -hmm. referring to my and mm. it's like they're they're simultaneously um, giving credit to but taking ownership of people. Mm. Yeah. And so I notice that with women when they say my husband. Yeah. Even if you know the husband and you know the husband's name is David, oh. there's some reason that they feel like they have to refer to my husband. Yeah. And I'm probably just really sensitive to it because yeah. I don't have my husband or my team or my, but I never refer to anybody. I mean, I guess I might refer to like my sister, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's not, there's this, I don't know. I just noticed this kind of thing about like, I'm going to give credit to the people in my life, but I'm also going to 
possess possess them and let you know that I'm I am in possession of them. Oh, I I think that's really good actually, and it's something that's that's totally spurred one in me that I have been noodling for the last week, and I think I've brought it up to Dylan a bunch of times, and he's really like, I don't talk about this anymore. I don't. <laughs> this is such a stupid. But it's one of those times where you're like processing something out loud, and I'm like, I don't right. I don't like this. So, so I get contacted a lot. People will be like, Hey, I'm starting a thing. Um, you you helped start Story Story Night. Tell me how you did that. And I'm like, fuck off. It was a, a lot of work. That's how we did it. Fuck off. Right. But um, this woman contacted me and she was like, she's starting like an arts collective, okay, where people can come and artists of all different kinds. I'm, I'm using the voice already. Right. I'll try to be more neutral than that. <laughs> artists can come, people, writers, you know, actors, whatever, comedians can come and everybody has like a safe space to make art and talk about art and do all these things. And she wanted my input on how we started Story Story Night to be like a progressive and cool place to do that with art. And my immediate, and she was like, my collective, my, my um, group, my artist. And I immediately was like, had this like really overwhelming, fuck you. <laughs> like I got, I even told it on like, I have a really strong feeling about this, but I'm not 100%, 100% sure why. And now I'm realizing it's because I have, I have been, in, and probably you understand this too, I've been in so many situations as an artist where I was very talented and I work very hard and someone else doesn't do that, but they want a collective mm -hmm. where they can take credit for people's ideas and take credit for getting people together and be like, we came up with this. Right. We came up with this skit. We came up with this idea. We came up with this movement. And you're like, no, I did that. I wrote all the copy for that. I'm the one who made the website. Like, I've been in, I've been in a lot of like um, collaborations where, right. for sure, I did all of the work. Right. And but then there was always one person who was like, my group, my this, and it's always these narcissistic people who are complete vampires who suck the energy and the creativity out of other people because they don't have any of it. Of right. And it's not even a lot of times they're creative people, but I think they have fear about creating their own art and having their own, like having permission to create their own art. So right. they just have other people do it. And then they can be like, Oh, we're all creating here. Right. And I had such, <laughs> such a heavy reaction to this, but I feel like I should also addendum this with part of the reason I had such a heavy re um, reaction to this was because this woman, um, trying to like not out who she is um we look kind of similar and um she's she's very sweet and funny and she's very smart and at one point a couple years ago when dylan was he had met her first he was describing her to me and he said she's like a young you oh <gasps> yeah <laughs> yeah She's like a young you, because she's like 22. You old hag. She's like 22, you know, and now she's like 24 or 25 or something. And I was like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Well, you know, Aww. she's beautiful and she's funny and she's smart and, you know, she has all but these things. But she's young. But she's a, like a young you. And at the time, I didn't call him. When I was telling him the other day, I'm like, I feel like part of part of it is my reaction to this the whole arts collective. But then I'm like, to be fair, part of it might be that I'm like, fuck you. Right. Young me. No, no, I think that it's true. And I think that we come across that a lot in the arts. I know mm -hmm. that that's been my experience. And uh, that was always why I balked when I was in school, graduate school, and they made you do group projects. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm the person in the group that does the work. Yeah. <laughs> that's my <laughs> default. <laughs> Just me and my dog squeak, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and, that's that's who I am too. I'm the one and who's... I'm a really great team player. Yeah, I don't need to be the one. I don't want to be the one raising my hand and uh, being in charge. But I will like be the busy little bee and mm -hmm. do all the work. And so then when I hear people say things like my group, my team, I'm like, oh, I know who you are in the group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the one delegating all the work, or not even coming up with delegating the work, but you're the one taking credit for all the work. Yeah. And I, I would hate say, that person. I would in the say team. our group, right? Our sketch team, our whatever. I, w I don't think I've ever been like, oh, my storytelling program. You know, right. like when I was part of that, I was always like, oh, our storytelling, because it felt like a collective to right. me. Right. And I, you know, I don't, I don't need all the credit. Mm -hmm. In fact, if I did, I would probably be a lot more assertive in getting it. But like, I've been in a couple of work situations 
uh, in the last few years where I felt like the head of the team was doing none of the work. Mm -hmm. And then the, the team was um, doing all of the work. And then that person was who everybody recognized as the real go-getter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if you only had an idea of mm-hmm. actually what's happening here, and is that, that this person is out taking all the credit and shining so brightly yeah. while the rest of us are actually diligently working. Yeah. It also, it it has um, it's happened to me a couple times in the past where that person um, is delusional enough that right. they also felt like they did all the work. Right. Like I was in a collaboration thing with a woman and when when the project finally fell apart and I was like, this was so much work and I did all of it, she genuinely was like, these were my ideas. Right. Like, and I had documentation of everything. Right. Showing that they were my ideas, that I had done 99% of the writing on it, that I had done all the work on the, like, the meat of everything and on approaching people and on making websites and stuff. And she was like, no, these were mostly my ideas. And like in her mind... That was true. Like she had had the core ideas and I had, maybe I had done a little more of the legwork, but she was like, no, I'm the, I'm the idea person. Right. And I would just like to say, just for the record, that everybody is an idea person Yeah, and everybody is always like, I've got a great idea. I've got a great idea. It is the rare person that can bring the idea to fruition. Mm -hmm. And that's the actual person who's impressive. Yeah. You know, like you can sit around in a group and everybody can have great ideas. And I feel like that happens to me all the time. People are like, Oh, you know what you should do? You know what we should do? It's like, but are you actually going to do it? No, but I am an act. Like I'm an action person. Oh my God. I am. The other reason that whole thing gives me a, like a knee jerk fury um, reaction is because I have a real problem with idea clubs. Yeah. So Groups of people who sit around and are like, I have this great idea for a book. And like people, a lot of times as a comedian will come up and be like, I have a really good idea for a joke. I'm like, shut up. Don't tell me that. Right. I don't care. Right. Go either be a comedian or fuck off. Right. You know, like, or people be like, I have such a good idea for a book. And then they'll talk to you for a half hour. And I'm like, don't go tell- write the book. Then. Go write the book. Don't yeah. tell me about Let's this. Let's talk about this when you've written I've book. written actual books. I don't want to hear your idea about a book. Right. When I've actually done the work, you know, the idea is the easy part. Yeah, like, I really believe that. Yeah, and so this, the she was explaining the kind of arts collective thing to me, and she's like, it's just a place for people to talk, sit and talk around ideas and like throw stuff around. And I was like, I hate that place. Right. That's I like masturbation central. Yes, it's it's arts masturbation central where everybody's just like, tell me my idea is good. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Okay, now you don't have to work on it because you had an idea. It's like a place to give each other permission to not actually be coal miners Agreed. you know because that's what being a writer is like sitting in your chair and also mining to give, co- and to be in a in a place where you can take from people actively like i don't really want to be in a collective or a collaboration with people because i know what they're gonna do they're yeah. gonna take my shit yeah yeah <laughs> i know I, I i was like no th- those are terrible stupid places and the actual work of creativity happens mostly alone like, yeah, I've had great collaborations with people, too, where I've worked on stuff and had a lot of fun. And I've had great collaborations where, like, I could bring ideas to people and be like, this is only, you know, this is only half written. Am I on the right track? Like, I've had really good mentors and stuff that way. Um, but I haven't ever had a good experience with a group of people who just sat around and talked about their ideas. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I have such a knee-jerk fuck you reaction to that that it's almost maybe right. not a little fair. <laughs> You know that it, but it no. I, I feel the same way, and when and I finally was able to pinpoint it when I was listening to the Golden Globes and hearing everybody take credit for it, and it was like, I guess it was saying, you know, like oh, the actor's always the one that's the spokesperson. Yeah. And thinking about how many people make a movie and how many people make a show and how many of those people are so integral to the process mm-hmm. and are doing so many more important things than acting. Yeah. And yet it's the actor saying. I just want to my thank team. my team my and team. my staff. And I was just like, yeah. 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 But they don't belong to you. Yeah. They actually do a lot of work and um, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Just the, like the, the change of that, if the our team or the team, right. you know, is so much more respectful than my team. Right. Because you're taking, you're also taking credit for having such a good team. Right. Like you handpicked <laughs> right. the writers, you know, yourself. Yeah. No, you came in at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you sparkled You up. could be anybody. Right. You could be Kevin James <laughs> right now. You, this was a great script and it had a great director. You were just, just a body bag, you yeah. know, just a meat sack up there. <laughs> Not always. John Hamm obviously makes everything a little better. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's allowed to have my team. He's allowed but to I have my team. I honestly don't think he would ever say that. No, he wouldn't. I feel like it only comes out of the mouths mm-hmm. of people who, I don't know, maybe it's an insecurity thing, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to have to go ahead and take all this credit. Yeah, yeah. So. Because you know, I think as an actor, you kind of know that you're not the most important part of things yeah. on, on some, like you, that you were very replaceable, but the person who had the core idea and wrote the fucking thing, that guy's not very replaceable. That's right. kind of the thing. In fact, know? I was listening and, and, um, I forget which movie it was that was based on the, based on a book. And I was so glad to hear just one person, like, I don't remember it. The movie, I think won several awards, but one person finally said, and I would like to thank the person who wrote the book. Yeah. What a <laughs> yeah, crazy this concept. This thing had an entirely different life. Yeah. You know, way before you ever got involved. Yeah. Maybe you should throw them some kudos. <laughs> no kidding. Well, good. I'm glad so, we had a, that's a, yeah. that's a great person to hate. Yeah. People who are the young. My, my, my. No, no. <laughs> um, the person, the person who is the, um, the I'm masturbatory. The old me. The old me. <laughs> I am. I know. I'm the old me. <sighs> yeah. Well, this is a good one. I, I had a good time. This was fun. Anything else to add? Are you anything to plug? You got your blog. I got my blog, but yeah, I was saying I'm I'm kind of running out of things to say. I'm getting bored with what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to come up with some sort of new creative project. Maybe I'll join a collaborative. Oh yeah, maybe just bounce some ideas around. <laughs> just bounce some ideas around with the younger people. Yeah, you know, they um, have so, so many ideas, so many thoughts. No. What about yeah. you? What do you got coming up? Um, I'm going to uh, Doug Sanhope's Super Bowl party in the beginning of February and doing some shows down in Arizona with uh, Doug Sanhope. Uh, around Tucson. Because you know, I Tucson lived in and... Tucson for years. Oh. So. I will be in Bisbee for part of it. Fine. That's where the party is. Um, I'm a little nervous about it. He and his wife just split up. Oh. And it's a very big mess, and I kind of think that it might be a real... That's already a very crazy, wild, fucked-up party. And yeah. I'm a little worried about going down there when it's going to be like a fuck it right. kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I'm not 100% on it quite yet. But um, And then in February, I go to the Come and Take It Festival, which is the festival because I bitched that there were not enough women in his other festival. He booked me for this festival. <laughs> so bringing my vagina down. So that there'll be one more. Woo! Good squeaky wheel gets the most green. That's me. Uh, so yeah, that's about it. All right. All right. Well, see you soon. See you soon. Couple skates. Oh, I'm pressing record. <laughs> Sorry, don't.